Aloha. What's up, Penn Nation? You're now tuned into yet another edition of BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. As always, I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Pleasure to be here with you each and every week. This is episode 94. Slowly but surely creeping up to that 100 mark. And we've got another solid show for you guys. Three awesome guests, great conversations. But before we break down tonight's guest list, like I tell you guys every single week, you already know what's up. Your home for MMA news is BJPenn.com. Bookmark us, BJPenn.com forward slash MMA news. Make sure you guys stay up to date on the sport that you love of mixed martial arts. Breaking news, viral videos, exclusive content, all the hot topics, you name it, we got it. One-stop shopping, all under one roof. We've got instructional technique videos, editorial content from some of the best writers in the business, and a whole lot more, bjpen.com forward slash MMA news. Make sure you guys follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google+. Set up alerts, stay up to date, as I said. Everything you crave from the sports you love, bjpen.com, we have got you covered. Now, for this episode, as I said, three guests. We're going to kick things off with head coach and founder of the American Kickboxing Academy, Javier Mendez. We have a great conversation with him. Unfortunately, he can't really talk about the Khabib Connor matchup until after the press conference on September 13th. However, we do discuss Cain Velasquez, DC, Luke Rockhold, and a whole lot more. First time having him on the show. It was a pleasure speaking with him. I think you guys will enjoy that one. Guy's been around the business for a long, long time, coached some of the best in the world. And that camp, quite frankly, a.k.a. has always brought us some of the best talent in the industry, in the business, world champion after world champion, and I have no doubt that will continue in the future. Coming up after Javier, we're joined by our good friend, number 12 ranked, light heavyweight in the UFC, finally got a big fight. Unarguably the biggest card of the year, possibly the biggest card ever, UFC 229. Of course, I'm talking about the devastator himself, Dominic Reyes. He's gotten matched up with OSP. He called out OSP after his last fight. Wasn't looking too good there for a while. He was online tweeting, saying that the entire top 10 are supposed to be the baddest men on the planet, but yet none of them would take a fight with him. A few days later, the news gets announced that he will be competing against OSP at UFC 229 on the main card. This is a huge opportunity for Dom. Not only does he get to compete against the number 7th ranked guy in the world and continue to propel himself towards that title shot, but he's also given the biggest stage possible to highlight his skills, his abilities, and show the world what he's really all about. Always a great conversation with him. We had a lot of laughs, and uh, believe it or not, we have a (laughs) few minutes there we talk about Rick and Morty, so... Funny stuff, we get swifty with Dom. Great conversation. And finally, closing out this episode, we're joined by the number three ranked heavyweight in the UFC, recently slated to compete in a rematch against Francis Ngannou at UFC Fight Night Beijing later this year, November 24th. Of course, I'm talking about Curtis Razor Blades. We're going to discuss the matchup and what this uh, opportunity at redemption means for him 
to get back that loss. Controversial loss at that. TKO, doctor stoppage. Obviously, Curtis wanted to continue. The doctor would not allow him to do so. So there is a big redemption factor here with this fight. But Curtis also made some news this week. Headlines everywhere, to be honest. As he went after Brock Lesnar, the legitimacy of the UFC to put him in a title fight coming off of a failed drug test. He's very upset about it. We're going to discuss that and a whole lot more. We'll also discuss a recent tweet he put out towards, for lack of a better word, shitty fans. And a whole lot more. Curtis Razorblades closing out this show. Another solid episode. BJPenn.com Radio, The Fighter's Voice, Episode 94. I'm your host, Jay Kinch. Let's kick things off with Javier Mendez. Penn Nation, please welcome to the show the head coach and founder of the American Kickboxing Academy in San Jose, Javier Mendez. Thanks for joining us today, Javier. How is life down in San Jose this afternoon, man? Uh, thanks for having me on, Jason. Uh, yeah, San Jose is beautiful right now. Nice, nice weather. <laughs> well, I got to say, I envy you, man. It's been very hot up here in the Northeast, incredible humidity as well. And it seems like every day in California, it's just perfect weather, right? Almost. <laughs> Almost. More perfect days than not, that's for sure. <laughs> well, like I said, I certainly envy you. Being that it's the first time that we're having you on the show here, I figured we should start out with the gym itself, American Kickboxing Academy. AKA has been a powerhouse in the mixed martial arts community, uh, widely regarded as one of the best camps in the business. You know, aside from having a room full of talent, what sets your team apart from the others in regards to grooming world champions, in your opinion? I don't really know, you know, maybe luck, you know. <laughs> uh, it's, it's hard to say because, you know, I'm never at other gyms, uh, so I really can't compare myself to other people because I don't know what I'd be comparing myself to. Um, you know, I like to keep uh, an honest, uh, you know, uh, team type of environment, you know, where every team member has a vote. Uh, every team member has uh, has something to say that, that's valued. Um, and we have talks all the time amongst the teams. So uh, maybe that's it, but I don't know. Because, you know, like I said, I haven't been to other gyms, so maybe everybody does that. Uh, I know that we've been doing it for 15-plus uh, years and, and uh, not going to stop anytime soon, uh, you know, staying together as a group. Yeah, you know, I feel like that's a recurring theme when I talk to athletes uh, when they discuss their gym and, and the camaraderie and the brotherhood uh, within the team, that seems to be a really important part to uh, everybody growing together and, and you know, maintaining that uh, morale in the facility. Yeah, well, let me give you an example. Okay, let me give you an example. I'll give you two examples. No, number one example. Uh, DC ends up fighting in, um, what, Buffalo, right? He ends up having his fight there. Uh, he, he's on the way back. We're at the San Francisco airport. He gets a call from Dana White. And uh, he says, hey, if he was interested in doing Ultimate Fighter, one, two, uh, doing it with Mielczyk, three, and then four, fighting Mielczyk at the end. And it was one of those deals where DC where was like, wow, it's a great opportunity, but there's two people that I have to clear this with before I would even say yes. And, and you know, us coaches were, were not an issue whatsoever for him because it would be all what's best for him. But his number one issue with his wife, well, his wife allowed him to be gone that long to film. That was one. The number two, the number two most important one was, was uh, you know, uh, Cain. 
know, so so as long as those two guys, uh, individuals said yes, he was going to go. So he he did it for that reason and that reason only because Kane had his back and uh, he had Kane's uh, back in full support and his help in the training camp. That that made a big difference in, in his accepting that fight. If Kane had said no, DC would not have taken that fight. I guarantee you, he would not have taken that fight. Another example was with Rockhold. If it wasn't for the fact that that DC, even though even though Luke trained somewhere else. If it wasn't for the fact that DC is is uh, looking uh, to retire, if it was not for that, if it was not for that, we'd be in a situation here where uh, Luke Rockhold wouldn't think about going up to 205. Right, so at the end of the day, it all really comes down to loyalty. Yeah, yeah, Luke Rockhold, the only reason why he'll go up to 205 is because you know DC's on his way out. If it wasn't for that, it won't happen, and Luke Rockhold with that. Even though Luke trains somewhere else, he's still with us. He's always going to be with us. So that being the case, it's another situation, you know, that, that it's not going to happen. Yeah, you know, Luke was something I wanted to get to here in a bit, but since you brought him up, we might as well get to it now. There was a lot of questions raised uh, when it was announced that he would be training in South Florida and he's been training across the country, uh, more or less, getting different looks at different gyms. What happened there, in your opinion? And is he still part of AKA? It sounds to me like he is still part of the team and always will be. Yeah, Luke Rockhold's my boy. I love that kid. He'll always be with me, no matter where he goes, no matter who he trains with. And he's always welcome with me. He always has my attention whenever he needs it, you know. And, and uh, he's here now. You know, he's here for another week. I've been training him. And, uh, you know, I don't expect it to stop, you know, uh, if... if you know, he feels, okay, Knox is going to go back to Florida or wherever he wants to go. I'm a big, giant Luke supporter. I'm going to support Luke in any way he needs me to support him. You know, there was times in, in my life as a coach where, you know, I needed someone to come to my rescue, not knowing it. And, you know, who comes to my rescue? Luke Rockhold. You know, so so who am I to all of a sudden decide, well, you don't train with me, so you're no longer part of me? No, bullshit. He's part of my heart forever. Right, you know, no matter what he does, he's my boy. He's my boy, always will be my boy. I look at all the guys that I personally get involved with, like Luke Rockhold. They're all my guys. I, uh, you know, King uh, King Mo, same thing. King Mo is with the American top team. Do you think I care less for King Mo and want him to be less successful? No, King Mo is my boy always. BJ, your own BJ, same thing. Right. BJ's my boy. It doesn't matter. I trained BJ, started him out for two, a little over two years. You know, do you think that all of a sudden I'm not BJ's guy? Hell yeah, BJ's my boy for life. That's I, the way I am with my guys. I will always be that way, you know, because absolutely. it's it, you know it's it's not. This is things change, you know. People's lives change. People's priorities change, you know. And and you have to you have to if you really are a true friend and you really have a great relationship with your guys, then you will love them no matter where they go. Right, and I think that that only lends itself to the relationship that you have with these guys. You know, not getting in their way in their journey of mixed martial arts, being a martial artist, uh, striving towards their goals as an athlete. So obviously, I certainly commend you for that greatly. But staying with Luke here for a moment, this rematch with Chris Weidman, are you expecting a similar result? Or could Luke even be possibly more dominant than he was in the first fight? You know, um, that's a great matchup. You know, it, it's it's it, it's it's a rematch that that uh, was good the first time out, and I think that uh, you know uh, Chris was somewhat surprised by Luke. I think, you know, I'm not sure, but I think he was surprised by Luke. So he's going to come out a better version of himself. You know, um, and Luke himself is 
questioning himself all the time, and he has a lot of more confidence going into this fight. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens, but, but to me, it's always one of those situations, you know, where whoever screws up first, the other ones, they're both such great fighters that one's going to take take it and ride it to the end, you know? So yeah. my, my only thought process on this is that we have more options than Chris does. Right. You know, so so that the margin and errors is less for us. For Chris, there's more margin of errors on his part. So we, we have less less to be concerned, uh, you know, as far as screwing up, you know. So so on that edge I give it to us. So so my favoring Luke, absolutely. You know, what will happen, who knows? You know, but right, I favor right, Luke, one hundred percent. Now does a win in New York, does that solidify Luke for the next crack of the title in your opinion? Um Based on how close everything is, based on the fact he was a champion, and based on Chris is a champion, and they both uh, they both won. Uh, they're on a, a well, they both lost the last fights, right? Or am uh, I wrong? Chris won his last fight. No, Chris won his last fight. Yeah, yeah, Chris won yeah. his last fight. Yeah, I, I think I think that I think that a, a, a fight over over Chris does warrant a title shot because they're both either one of them uh, warrants a title shot. But it, it, you know, we'll see what happens, right? Because uh, you and I can say whatever we want the UFC is the boss, so they decide who's going to fight for the title, who's not going to fight for the title. But I would think, logically speaking, that they're definitely in the running. For sure, for sure. Now, getting back to what we were discussing before, so forgive me, um, you know, jumping around in here in my notes a bit, but in regards to the team, obviously the coaching staff is critical, uh, but one of the biggest aspects to any great team is the is the talent level of your training partners, and AKA has been the home of so many great athletes, guys and gals across the board. Uh, too many to name them all, quite frankly. However, on the flip side of that, many have been critical of, of the team about injuries over the years. Uh, is that just the nature of the sport, in your opinion? Yeah, it is the nature of the sport. You know, they, they, there's a lot of injuries involved in the sport. It's it's not it's it's not something that we have mastered yet. But I'll tell you what, it is something that we've gotten better at. Um, you know, ever since this has been going on, even before the day called us the Stone Age, which I still love that name, <laughs> AKA Stone Age. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's awesome. Uh, you know, I, I think also too, uh, uh, when Dana made that speech, I think it was just frustration because so many fights before that that were main events were being pulled out due to injuries. And, and you know, this is still a relatively new sport and we're still learning. And, and I'll tell you, um, before that even happened, I was still trying to figure out how do we save us from getting injured all the damn time. Why are we getting injured? This and that. Well, little simple things, Jason, from having the guys talk to me when they don't want to spar. You know, they have issues with their girlfriend or their family. You know, they didn't get enough sleep or they have a little injury. I wanted to point it out to me. I wanted to tell me what's going on. So this way, I'll say, okay, you're just boxing today or okay, you're not sparring today. You know, uh, I, I, and it's been, you know, let me tell you something. It, it's our injury rate has dropped almost over 50%. Yeah, for sure, man. You're absolutely correct. You can see uh, in recent history, it hasn't been as much of an issue. But from my perspective, I've always felt like when you have a room full of killers like you have, everybody wants to be a champion. Everybody's got that drive. They're going hard in the gym. It's just the nature of the beast, right? Well, yes, yes, the nature of the beast. Well, let me give you another example. Uh, Blagoy Ivanov, right? He, he came to me. I, I took him on to to start training, being his head coach for for the Juno Dos Santos fight, right? So, you know, here we are in a tough situation. I went, damn it, okay, fine. So I said, this is what you need to do. I need you running five, six days a week. What? Five days? Yes, I need you doing cardio <laughs> six days a week. 
goes, okay, coach. So next, you know, two weeks into this whole thing, the poor guy rips his meniscus running on the street. You know, he ripped his meniscus in two spots. He now is going into the fight with Junior Dos Santos with the torn meniscus in two spots. And now, guess what? All, all he can really do is box. Now, oh, what the hell? I've been here before. I'm a son of a bitch. Right. So I, I told him to cancel the fight. Tell the UFC, cancel the fight. So he had already scheduled surgery. He was canceling the fight. But over the weekend, he just felt like, nope, I'm going to fight. And that's what fighters do. They fight injured. Uh, there's not he's not the only example there's tons of examples that go out there so he decided he wanted to take the fight and he went through the fight it didn't go his way and you know even if he'd have been 100% healthy you know who knows how the fight would have gone because Junior Dos Santos is a great fighter you know so I'm just saying in regards to injuries that that they don't always happen in the gym either you know they they help him elsewhere and in this case he did it running yeah that that is absolutely true and not only do the promoters and the fans not understand the battles in the gym that these guys go through on the day-to-day, but nine out of ten times, these athletes are going into these fights injured. And I think that's something that, that nobody's really taking into consideration. Yeah. They won't, they won't mention it because they didn't the money, and then they won't go in in preparation. And I mean, I'll give you another one. Uh, Mowgli Benitez, you know, he uh, scheduled the, the fight Andre Feely. And I and he was injured, right? He was injured. He couldn't do nothing. And I just I pleaded with him to cancel the fight. Please cancel the fight. But he needed the money. He needed the money. He could not cancel the fight. So he had no sparring, zero sparring. He was injured going into the fight. His confidence was down to the dumps. And now you find Andre Feely, for God's sake. Come on. I mean, I knew that kid was really special. Right. So I just said, please cancel the fight. No. He took the fight anyways. What happens? Boom taken care of you know so those are the things the un- unknown things that fans don't know they don't understand but, and they don't care to hear either because all they care about is come fight time you know you the winner you don't you know and that's what i tell my guys look i go fans don't give a shit whether you're injured or not injured when you fight they just see the winner the promoter just cares about who's the winner they're not going to make excuses and go oh well he was injured so you know let's give him another shot no <laughs> you win you lose simple as that you know it, it's, it's an unforgiving sport and anybody that has delusions thinking that, oh, well, you know, uh, throw a great performance, this and that, and, and if you lose, it's still okay. Well, you know what? It might be okay a few times, but you have too many losses, then it's not okay. Absolutely, man. That's one of the brutal truths of this sport. You're only as good as your last performance. And unbeknownst to the majority of the fans, you know, had they been privy to some of the stuff that these guys go through, they might not be so quick to judge next time and maybe be a little more understanding about their performance on the night of the fight. So again, I agree with you there 100%. But moving on from there, I know we can't discuss Khabib and Connor just yet. We're, we're waiting for that September 13th press conference. But obviously, there's plenty to discuss about Daniel Cormier, arguably the greatest of all time after winning the heavyweight title. I know there's news that that he had been knocking out training partners in the lead-up to the fight with Stipe. Considering that and all of his previous success at heavyweight, do you think that this weight class is where Daniel performs his best? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> he doesn't have to worry about the weight cut. He walks around 240, 245 pounds naturally, you know, and he can eat whatever the hell he wants. Right. Yeah, this has always been great. For got to remember, his love for Kane was that much that rather than fight Kane, he dropped to light heavyweight. It wasn't that he had to drop to light heavyweight. It was because he would never fight Kane under any conditions. That's how much of a bond these guys have. You know, they, they, so so here's a guy willing to put his body through hell to make the weight. Because you got to remember, man, it's 
you know, and he loves that stuff. So it's not an easy thing for him to do, but his love for Kane, uh, you know, made it that much easier for him to do it. You know, that's the kind of relationship these guys have. And same thing with Luke Rockhold, you know, and Habib, they're all, they're all so tied in together. And Josh Thompson, all, you know, John Fish, I can even, on and on and on about these guys and how close. Yeah, DC is definitely the unofficial spokesman for Popeye's Chicken, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But listen, there's been a lot of talk about what's next for him and what weight he'll compete at. DC has said that he plans to defend the title before fighting Brock. Uh, but aside from the looming return of John Jones, what matchups at light heavyweight interest you guys most? Uh, at light heavyweight, none. So whatever, whoever DC wants to fight, this is who he's going to fight at light heavyweight. Then he'll fight Brock Lesnar, and that'll be it. You know, hopefully everything will go according to plan, and. You know, uh, only DC knows what DC is going to do. But from what I know, that, that, that that's it. That, that's his final farewell song. Um, but you know, we'll see, right? I mean, anything's possible. Um, but but I so far DC has done the vast majority of the things that he said he wanted to do. So after Brock, if he 100 percent is sincere, which I don't think uh, he's not sincere, I think I think he, he he's going to call it quits. Yeah, and once you consider everything that he's already accomplished, what better way to ride off into the sunset than a big win over Brock Lesnar and a huge payday? Yeah, and you know, the thing is, you know, it's like, you know, for me, he's the GOAT. And the reason why I say he's the GOAT, because he's done two divisions. He just didn't do one fight, then moved on. You know, he's fought, what, 13, 14 heavyweight fights, and he's dominated, never lost a round as a heavyweight, you know, and as a light heavyweight, the only two blemishes are against, you know, you know who it is, you know, and and, 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 and you know, and he's looking at this title. Who's done that? Yeah, I, I can't. I can't think of one person that's done that. I can think of other people that that maybe have uh, a bigger, huger following. But you know what's happening uh, uh, for DC? Everybody's realizing what a beautiful person he is, what a heart of gold he has, how much he gives back to the community. What a great spokesperson this guy is. That a lot of people are starting to jump on him as the real deal you know this this is this is the guy that i want my son to be like this is the the the, the coach that i want my son to be wrestling under. i mean that's people are starting to recognize what a true beautiful person he is yeah true but we all know his coaches all know that but now people are starting to realize what a beautiful person he is yeah man i mean daniel is certainly an exemplary role model uh in this sport i could not agree with you more there but you know since we're talking about john jones does that third fight with Jones, does that need to happen before Daniel is done, in your opinion? Especially given all the questions about John's career following the failed drug test. Um, for me, he doesn't ever need to fight him. It's it's one of those things that it is what it is, you know. Uh, you know, unfortunately for Jones, he, he's got two things that are going against him that, that forever will haunt him, you know. But that's his doing or not his doing. It doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is, you know, uh, it is what it is. And, and Daniel, Daniel... Um, if Daniel feels he needs to have another one with him, then that's on Daniel, and I'll back him 100%. Uh, you know, I'm going to always be on my fighter's side, so whatever my fighter wants to do, I'm going to be with him. But right now, as far as I know, DC's planning one light high, one light heavyweight uh, title defense, and then Brock, uh, Brock Lesnar, and then calling it quits. Now, if he decides that there's a third fight looming with, with Jones somewhere down the line, that's between DC and the UFC, you know, but whatever he decides... If that is the case, then I will be 100% behind him, and, and I would want it for him because that's what he wants. But if he does want it, I, I don't want it either. Right, right. I just feel like it's one of those fights that maybe in regards to legacy should happen. 
Uh, but I agree with you, man. Daniel has certainly earned the right to do whatever he pleases uh, on the tail end of his career for sure. And however he decides to go forward with that, everybody should respect it. But in regards to the fight with Brock Lesnar, obviously a fight that Daniel's very excited for, big money fight. But there's also a lot of backlash as to the legitimacy of the fight and the sport, how undeserving Brock is of a title shot. What's your response to all that? <laughs> well, let me give you an example. Undeserving. All right. You know, I have an Instagram page, aka Hob at Instagram.com, right? Okay, if, you, if people look at my web, uh, my Instagram, you'll see I have so many followers. I don't have that many followers, right? So I, I'm there when DC and Brock are going through their spiel, you know. So DC's calling out Brock. Brock comes in, does his WWE performance, which I thought was pretty good. And I'm laughing my head off. Then all of a sudden, I realize, go, damn, why don't I film this? Like, this is pretty cool. So I film it, okay? I start filming part of it when, when Brock Lesnar's it was going, DC, you motherfucker. <laughs> you know, I filmed that part, right? So I put it on my Instagram. Jason, dude, I had 50-something thousand followers. I have over half a million views on that on my Instagram. Give me an F and break. Wow. So if you're telling me that that fight don't deserve to happen, well, that, who's those half, uh, half a million plus uh, viewers that are watching this that want to see that, okay? Don't go telling me it doesn't deserve it. If you're talking about point system, this and that, well, you know what? As far as I remember and, and can recall, boxing, MMA, fighting sports, it's never been run like a legit uh, pro NFL, uh, pro, uh, you know, baseball, even even collegiate football where, where number one always fights number two. It's never been that way. It's always been what people want to see. For God's sake, Conor McGregor fought, fought Floyd Mayweather. What fucking guaranteed him that, that he was deserving of that fight? And right. if you were to say you shouldn't have never fought, well, then the, the four point something million viewers that wanted to see it think it was great. You know what I mean? Right. And at the end of the day, it is called prize fighting for a reason. It's, it's a prize fight. People put eyeballs to the seats, bro. And, okay. and guess what? The Connor and Mayweather did. So who's to say? Are you I mean, you're a promoter. I'm, I used to be a promoter. If you're telling me, hey, do the right thing and do this promotion, and you potentially could lose twenty thousand dollars, or do this fight here, it's not the right one, but you potentially make a million dollars. Oh, dude, let me see. Uh, <laughs> oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna lose twenty thousand. Yeah, right. right. Who in their right mind would do that unless they regulate it and make it official, and the fans are gonna come see number one and number two because that's what they're gonna pay for? Then fantastic, let's get that done. But until that day happens. Whoever gets the most eyeballs to that screen is who's going to win because a promoter needs to make money. They're not there for charity. They're there to make a living. They're there to make their bills. The UFC bought that goddamn thing for four point something billion. They got a lot of money to pay each month on that interest only, bro. So you yeah. don't, don't tell them that they're, 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 they're screwing up the system. They're making the system great. They've done a great job. They, they help so many people like myself and other organizations make a living. So to me... I'm pro everything they've been doing, and I'm pro everything Bellator is doing. I'm pro everybody, you know. They, they, as long as these guys are all successful, it makes us all successful. So, you know, uh, people put on the fights that people want to see, you know. No promoter is going to want to put somebody on that, that that's not going to draw for them. I mean, that's one of the reasons why uh, Demetrius, they had a hard time with him at the beginning, put him as a main event, because he would draw 100 to maybe minimum 200,000 pay-per-view buys. Well, how the hell are they going to make money off of that? You know? Whereas now, now, he 
because he had a great fight with uh, Henry Cejudo, now a repeat of that one. That's going to do pretty well for the for the first time. But before that, it did it didn't didn't make anything. So obviously, you know, they're going to do things the right way. But other things, they got to make money too. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. At the end of the day, it is a business. And while I do understand the other side of it, you know, the argument for legitimacy, at the end of the day, these fighters want to fight for the largest check possible, the biggest payday possible. And like we just said, this is prize fighting. They certainly t- deserve to do just that. So, uh, but listen, though, Javier, man, I know we said about 20 minutes. We went a little bit over so far. How are you doing on time? I've got maybe five or six more questions. Uh, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. You right. keep talking away up there. Now, staying with Brock here for a moment, obviously he's got a lot of controversy surrounding him in regards to his failed drug test. He's just re-entered the USADA testing pool. I know that's going to take some time, but I'm wondering uh, how likely do you think it is that this fight maybe gets done end of year, beginning 2019? Do you think it is likely going to happen at the beginning of the year? Uh, I expect early 20, uh, 2019, yeah, because I, 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 I look at D.C. D.C. has uh, stated that he wants to fight one light heavyweight title defense and then fight Brock, and DC's never told me something that doesn't actually happen, so I'm assuming that's what's going to happen, so, and then I was told that, if I'm not mistaken, that Brock is uh, clear after January, because uh, he's in the testing pool now, so, uh, you know, him being clear then, then the fight will be ready to go, so that's what I'm assuming is going to happen. Right, yeah, that's my mistake. It would only make sense that after he completes the testing pool is when he's eligible to fight, so it would have to be early 2019, January, etc., but speaking of heavyweights, man, I've obviously got to ask about Cain Velasquez. We talked about him a bit here. Everybody wants to know if he's coming back. We've seen him at the WWE Performance Institute training there. We've seen him at some WWE events. Does he come back to fighting, in your opinion, or will he make the transition over to professional wrestling? Um, no, he's looking to fight. It's just a matter of his manager uh, getting the deal done for him. He's been looking to fight. He's been healthy the whole year. You know, he, he's you know he's been healthy and, and he wants to fight. So we'll see what the management and, and, uh, and organizations uh, do to, to get that to happen. But uh, he, he's not uh, he's not retired by any means. He's, he's never said he's retired. He's just you know he's just waiting for a deal. Is he in the that gym makes often? sense for them? What's that? Is he in the gym often? He was in the gym quite a bit helping Daniel. Uh, now he comes in every so often. Uh, he has a lot of things to do. He loves his family. He, he spends a lot of time with his son and, and uh, his wife, you know. So he's always been a family man. Every time people talk to me, they don't fully understand what a great family man this guy is and what his family means to him. They mean everything to him. So, you know, if he doesn't have a fight, he'll come in, stay sharp, you know, this and that. But if there's no fight coming around, he'll spend that time, quality time with his family. And that's, that's the way he will always be. Yeah, that seems to be a recurring theme with a lot of your guys, right? They're, they're family men at heart. They like to be around their kids and overall just great guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, 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 they're the majority of them. Right, right. Now, uh, in your opinion, not only does Kane plan to compete again, but he still has that passion for mixed martial arts based on what you see? Yeah, yeah. He, he will compete again. It's just a matter of when the deals get done. Okay, cool. Cool. And uh, one last heavyweight I wanted to discuss would be Justin Willis. I've had the pleasure of speaking with him several times now. I think he has an amazing story, a lot of talent. I'm wondering if you can give us your thoughts on Justin, and uh, do you think he has championship potential? Uh, You know, Justin, as an athlete, an incredible athlete, uh, former football player, 
uh, extremely athletic, you know, he's fast, he's hard, kicks hard. Uh, you know, he's got the right mindset. He, he knows how to talk up the talk. You know, he knows how to create controversy. Um, he's got all the ingredients of someone you want to watch uh, succeed, you know, and then uh, all the ingredients of someone you, you might want to root against. You know, it, it, it all depends on how you view his views, but, but he's a great fighter. And uh, you'll be hearing more about him because he, you know, he will be in that that the talks, uh, you know, uh, as a top guy soon, soon, very soon, because you know he's three and zero in the UFC, and and I'm sure his uh, competition is going to get tougher, and uh, you know he's going to prevail. He, he's a winner, you know, and uh, I've always thought that about him from from the get go, and, and uh, he's here now, and uh, eventually people will be talking more about him because uh, they'll have no other choice but to talk about him because he's that good. Right, right. And, you know, just to stay with the story that he has, if he can continue to build on this momentum and, and this success, we could really see him emerge as a as a big role model just like DC. Well, he's, you know, one of the things he's always done is, is he's a foster child, and he's a big advocate for, for helping other kids that are in that same situation. He's got a great heart uh, for, for it and, you know, and feeling for those kids that are going through that system because he was in that system. And, you know, he's had a lot of problems in that system. And, you know, he, he wants to give a helping hand to the kids that are, were stuck in the same situation as him. You know, so for those kids that, that are out there looking for a helping hand or, or just some great words of advice, you know, I would contact him on his Instagram. And, and uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty darn sure he's going to respond to them in a very positive light and give them great, great information and insight because he's been through it. You know, he's been through all of that. He, He's been through the uh, one parent to another parent. He's been through the issues that, uh, you know, he's been through a lot, you know, and, and through all that, he never gave up on himself, you know. So he's one of those kids that people can aspire to be and, and look up upon and go, wow, he can do it, I can do it too. And that's exactly what he is. He's a success story. Yeah, man, you know, I have friends that have grown up in that, that foster care situation and, and they've talked about how difficult it is to to uh, get out of that and really accomplish your dreams and, and be successful in life. And, uh, you know, Justin really is an example of, of being able to do just that, and, and it truly is an inspirational story. But listen, man, we've gone about 10 minutes over, and I do greatly appreciate your time. Uh, but before we wrap things up, I wanted to hear uh, from you who we should keep our eyes on from the team, from AKA, the up-and-comers, the prospects that really haven't made it big yet that we definitely need to keep our eyes on going forward? Um, well, there's quite a few. To be honest right, with I, me. Got, I got quite a few. Uh, but, but the one that I call Juggernaut, uh, uh, you know, I call him Juggernaut. It's James, uh, he's a heavyweight. He's a great prospect. Uh, Kyle Kreschmer, he's a Division I uh, All-American, you know, uh, from from Oklahoma, he's another one. Uh, his other buddy, Kyle, Drist Kyle Dristo, who's coming up, he's fantastic. Uh, Daniel Allen, a brand new, no one's heard about, going to be a champion. Uh, Mark Klimako, you know, uh, I have another kid named Salim from Tajikistan that's going to make some waves. And, you know, all my Russian guys, you know, like Umar was fighting tonight in the PFL, you know, uh, they're, they're going to, people going to love this kid. He's the next big thing. Uh, from 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 uh, Dagestan, uh, he's a 135er. Expect him to be in the UFC sometime soon, and I I really don't see that kid get beat. You know, he's going to be just like Abib. He's amazing, amazing kid. Um, and and oh, like I said, I might have forget Romero Cotton, another one, uh, a three division uh, uh, all American, no champion, 
from uh, uh, Division Two college, so you know, two-time national champion. He, he's three and zero. You know, he's doing great. You know, and uh, also I got another kid that needs some work, uh, uh, but he's going to be actually big as uh, Fernando Gonzalez. You know, he's, he's you know he's had a screw up, but I I believe in him so much that he, he's going to do great. You know, and, uh, man, there's just so much. I, I can keep going and on and on and on. I have a lot. Yeah, I, b- I believe it, man. You know, under your tutelage and uh, the tutelage of all of your great coaching staff, I have no doubt that uh, there will be plenty more champions and greats to come out of the American Kickboxing Academy in the future. But again, Javier, I can't thank you enough for the time. I do greatly appreciate it. It's been an awesome conversation. Hopefully we can catch up after the press conference on September 13th and discuss the Khabib and Connor matchup. Uh, but before we let you go, man, the floor is yours. Please plug the gym, any of your social media, whatever you'd like. The floor is yours, my friend. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, you know, anybody wants, uh, you know, AKA is not just, you know, for fighters, everybody thinks we're fighting gym, but, you know, 95% of our clientele is, is, is a family, you know, children, you know, and people just uh, condition in self-defense. That's, that's the mass majority of what we're all about. But people people uh, always think we're fighting gym just because we're famous for that, but no, you know, that's not what keeps the doors open. And that's not what the majority of our students are. The majority of our students are students. They're not fighters. You know, so that, that that's the one thing to plug. Because we need to change that image from being the, you know, whatever gym. Nobody nobody wants to go to a gym where they think they're going to get beat up. But <laughs> a lot of people right. think that about my gym. It's like, no, no, that's the total opposite. You know, we're, we're professionals. We don't, we, that's the last thing we want is the students to get in there and and get punched or kicked. No, it's, it's about safety. Safety, number one. Competition's different, you know, but only less than 5% come into my gym for that. Yeah, man, at the end of the day, it absolutely is all about the martial way and, and teaching people to be confident and uh, comfortable in their own skin. But yeah, man, it, it, that is one of those things, right? I mean, you have so many killers and great fighters coming out of your gym that must kind of put people off in the beginning, like, hey, I don't want to go in there and have to spar DC or Khabib Nurmagomedov. Um, but at the end of the day, the team is a family. Anybody walking in there is going to feel comfortable, and you're willing to train them and, and make them a better person. Yeah, no, it's, it's, no this is a family gym, bro. We, the, the biggest majority of what we have is kids. We have a lot of kids. Kids, kids are our magic number, man. They're the ones that uh, the, the future, the martial artists of the future is our kids. For sure, for sure. The children are the future, man. But listen, again, it's been a great conversation. I can't thank you enough. And uh, hopefully we can catch up again soon. I'd like to do this again soon if possible. Yeah, sure. We're, 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 Go ahead. We can talk after after September 13th. I can talk to you about the Habib thing. But right now, uh, no media on him until after the press conference. Yeah, no, like I said earlier, man, and, and when we were setting up this call, I, I totally respect that. It also goes back to the loyalty that you have towards your athletes and their management, so I, I, I totally respect it and give you a ton of credit for it, man. I know we went uh, pretty far over what we originally anticipated, but thank you again. I hope you enjoy the conversation as well. I have a big mouth. I keep talking. I run the mouth all the time. <laughs> I'm the same way, brother. All right, buddy. Thanks, Jason. All right, you have a good one, man. Later. All right, there you have it, Javi Mendez, head coach and founder of the American Kickboxing Academy. Can't thank him enough. First time speaking with him, as I said before. The guy has been around the sport for a very long time and groomed some of the best athletes we've seen in mixed martial arts to their championship reign. And I have no doubt there will be many more to come. So you heard the update. 
Cain Velasquez will compete again. Luke Rockhold is still part of AKA. And DC is going to do exactly what he wants to do, and rightfully so. But let's keep it moving, guys. Coming up next, BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Number 12 ranked light heavyweight in the UFC. Set to take on Ovince St. Pru at UFC 229 in Las Vegas in October. This man likes to get swifty. The devastator himself, Dominic Reyes. All right, guys and gals, please welcome back to BJPenn.com Radio, the number 12 ranked light heavyweight in the UFC, and someone that I personally believe is destined to be a future champion, the Cobra Kai ninja himself, Dominic Reyes. What's going on, Dominic? How's your summer been going so far, man? What's up, man? Uh, summer is fantastic. It's been, uh, been a lot of uh, fun little adventures, so I'm happy with it. Yeah, good. You know, I was going to say, I know you're always in the gym, so there's no question that you're, you know, probably not taking any time off away from training, but, you know, have you had a chance to do anything fun the past month? And if so, you know, enjoying the f- fruits of your labor, if you will. <laughs> yeah, I've, I actually have. Uh, I went to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and I uh, I wrestled a steer. That was pretty crazy. What? <laughs> yeah. Grabbing a bull by the horns. That was pretty cool. What the? What was that about? Was that like for charity or something? Or you go to pay people money to wrestle a bull? That sounds pretty nuts, man. <laughs> uh, it was just an opportunity that presented presented itself. Uh, we, I was there doing a seminar, and they took us to the rodeo, and they're like, "Hey, do you guys want to grab the bull by the horns?" I was like, "Shoot, might as well." <laughs> <laughs> it was it was super intense, crazy adrenaline rush. Those those rodeo guys are, are are tough dudes, man. A lot of respect for them all the way around. How big was the bull? It was a steer, um, so it was like six hundred pounds. Okay, wow, tremendous, man. So I gotta ask, who won? Oh, we got him. I we got him down, and then <laughs> I won. <laughs> wow. So you if were I can, literally. If I can take down a bull, I, I I should be able to take down a man pretty easily. Yeah, I'd say anybody in the world, my friend. Uh, you take down a bull, you're taking down anybody. But literally, you you have been, this summer, you have been literally grabbing the bull by the horns. Literally. Wow. Yes. Tremendous, <laughs> tremendous. Well, one thing is sure, my friend, not only are you out there having a great time, but you got your wish, and the fight was made official earlier this month. You will be competing against Ovin St. Preux at UFC 229 on October 6th. This matchup was uh, one that you were campaigning for, what was your initial yes. reaction to the news and that this fight actually got booked? So my reaction was, yes! <laughs> <laughs> I got the fight I wanted against the guy I wanted. Even, an even better card than I thought, too. I'm on the McGregor card. There's no other light heavies on the card. Um, I'm in the featured fight spot right now. Um, I mean, couldn't ask for anything better. I'm super excited. Like, People are like, oh, are you nervous? You know, it's a big fight, blah, blah, blah. I'm not nervous at all. Like, this, that that's so, like, everything's lined up so nicely, and I'm so excited for it. Like, I know I'm a young gun on this card. You know, I'm not a big name or whatever, but after this fight, that's all going to change. I'm, I'm sure of it. Absolutely, man. This is this is the huge opportunity that you've been looking for. And it sounds to me like not only are you confident going into this, but you're really going to relish this moment. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> right, how can you it's, not? It's red, it's red penny night. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen, that was something I wanted to get to here in a bit, obviously being on this huge card, but based on what you know from your management, 
Uh, was this fight pretty easy to make? Was there much negotiation on OSP's end from what you know? Um, it seemed like it was pretty easy to make. Um, he got married, so he was kind of slow playing things. Okay. Um, but as soon as they offered us, it only took a, a couple of days for the other side to accept. So. Good. Good. It was it was pretty seamless. I, I'm very happy with it. Um, he's he's a hell of a competitor. We all know this. But uh, it's my time now. Now, you had been tweeting late last month, and, and it didn't really look good at that point. <laughs> right? You, you were calling out the division, uh, you know, for claiming to be the baddest dudes on the planet. You pretty much named everybody ahead of you. Was there any other matchups that were close to getting done? Uh, no, no, nothing. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy, huh? <laughs> wow, so, no, so nobody wants to fight with the Devastator. Uh. Oh, Vince does, and I thank him, and I'm very excited for this opportunity. But, uh, yeah, no, nobody else. I, I think Jordan Johnson ended up dropping 85s. <laughs> right. Wow. He ran out of the weight class when you called him out. Uh, yeah, I think, I, I think so. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I'm just super excited. Like, every day I train is like, usually training is like, it's kinda, it gets a, kind of a drag a little bit. But like every day I show up, I'm just like, oh my god, this is gonna be so fun. Like this, this like work training is work. You know, training is the work part of it. The fight is the that's the party. That's the fun part. Like the heck. <laughs> right, right. Um, oh, last time we spoke, I believe you talked about you know looking to prove yourself against a wrestler like this, right? Yes. Yes. Um, well, Vince is a heck of a grappler. I mean. His pressures are are pretty good. Um, he gets some pretty crazy chokes, like the Von Flu, which is yep. Like you shouldn't be getting that, but <laughs> he does. So <laughs> that that's cool. I mean, I, I like this matchup a lot. I really, really do. And uh, it's going to be an exciting fight. I, the fans are going to be excited. You know, the match the matchmakers are going to be happy they put us on this card. Everybody's going to be happy. It's going to be good. Yeah, I was going to say, man, you know, he's shown not only some unique striking in a very solid ground game, as you mentioned, but he's known for that Von Flu choke. I mean, that's incredible. But, however, on the other side of that, I'm sure that you're very confident that you'll be able to outmatch him in every aspect of the fight. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't, yeah, ain't going to be no Von Flu choke here. No Von (laughs) Flu. Come on, man. Right. (laughs) I learned that defense when I first was like the first submission I learned because light heavyweights like to hold on to the head on the takedown. And it's like, you don't have position, you don't have anything, but you're just trying to hold on. And then you get choked. <laughs> right, right. It was day one for you getting out of that one. Yeah, that's day one stuff, man. That's, come on. Listen, so, <laughs> so tell me, man, you, you've touched on this earlier, but how fucking pumped are you to be put on this UFC 229 card? Holy shit, did you make out with this one, man? Holy shit is right, dude. Holy shit. Man. So excited. Like, I can't even, it's hard to put into words how, how big this is and how exciting this is for me. I mean, I've waited my whole life to get on this stage. Finally here. Everything's lining up. I'm happy. I'm healthy. I'm young. I'm, you know, there's, there's so many positive things coming into this. I mean, I do acknowledge that it is a fight and anything could happen, you know. You, you have to acknowledge the devil, you know. It's just, it is what it is. For sure. 
but that's that's the least of my concerns, man. I go out there and fight my fight and be me. It's going to be a hell of a night. Now, there, there is no debate at this point. You said you are the featured bout. You're going to be on the main card. There's no question about that. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. How special is it going to be for you to compete on what might possibly be the biggest pay-per-view event in the history of the sport? We're making history. <laughs> right. We're out here making history, man. Every, every every fight is another milestone, and this this is just a natural progression. You know, things keep getting a little bigger and a little bigger and a little bigger until I'm headlining, until I'm fighting for the title. You know what I mean? So this is just another step in that progression, you know. Being around the big media, being around, you know, the circus, as you will, and, uh, you know, really enjoying it and seeing it from a different perspective, not being really the, I'm not going to, I'm not sure if I'm going to be the focus. You know, I'm probably not going to be. I understand that. But being in that environment is, I mean, great experience for me. Yeah, big time learning experience and an opportunity for you to maybe hone some of those promotional skills uh, mm-hmm. that you'll need later on in your career, right? Yeah, and then I could see the man, you know, the master do it live. I get to see Connor do it all live. Yeah, you know, he's he's the he's the the gold platinum standard for this all this. So, but I, I do I do have a challenge for I'm gonna, I have a challenge for Connor though. Oh really? What's that? Yeah, I want to see who has the best left. <laughs> okay. Uh, that night, I want to see who comes out with the best left. Now it's interesting you say that because I've talked with Dwayne Ludwig extensively on Connor's pull cross. You know that 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 mm-hmm. that sneak left he has really is like Muhammad Ali esque. Like it, it oh, is so it clean. is brilliant, brilliant stuff. So you're saying that you have a better pull cross, you have a better left hand than Conor McGregor does. We'll see. That's what I want to see. <laughs> All right. Awesome, man. You heard it here first, BJPen.com radio. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, let's do it. <laughs> and what a better guy to challenge, right? You get your right? name out there. <laughs> I mean, you shoot for the top. He's he's the best southpaw striker in the game right now. For sure. For sure. For sure. There's There's not really a debate about that. But I'm here to challenge that. Awesome. I love it, man. I love it. Now, we're talking a bit about the promotion here. Obviously, you're calling him the gold standard, the platinum standard. Are you planning to get in on some of this drama that that's guaranteed to go down in the lead-up to this fight? You know, Could we maybe see you bring some hype uh, on this one yourself, or are you just content to sit back and, and enjoy the build-up? Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, I am, I'm content to sit back and enjoy it, um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, I have no animosity towards OSP. I mean, I think he's a great, you know, guy outside of the ring. So, but in the ring, yeah, we ain't friends. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't no friends. I'm there to, to, to cause as much damage as possible. Yeah, you got to flip that switch, man. Yes, sir. Now, so, uh, who, yeah. Who, go ahead. It, yeah, and the whole, I, I'm not trying to, you know, be an extra distraction for Connor or whatever. I'm, I'm saying it out of, pure respect and as a martial artist you know let's see yeah gentleman's bet exactly exactly no no i dig it man i dig it uh that'll be a great headline man for sure uh but speaking of of connor and khabib who are you picking for the fight you know honest opinion based on your expertise okay so we all see it going one of two ways 
or you know, Connor either knocks him out or it could be mauls him. That's kind of what we're thinking, right? But I'm also thinking that maybe Connor's his his knowledge of range and his awareness in space, I think might get him the win in this fight. Um, Khabib just kind of rushes in sometimes. Yep. His hands aren't the best. We know this. Um, he showed a questionable chin against Al. He got stunned a little bit off a kind of a weird hit. So I, I'm gonna go with Connor. I'm gonna go with Connor. Um, I think he's busting his ass, and I think he's working on that grappling defense. All he has to do is stop the takedown. It's easier, a lot easier said than done. <laughs> I'm sure, especially against Khabib. But uh, I'm gonna go with Connor based on uh, awareness and uh, uh, knowledge of range. Yeah, man, it's interesting you say that. I've had conversations. Like, I try to keep my opinion off of the show because I'm not a cage fighter. I've never been in there 25 minutes. But I've had this conversation with friends that, you know, everybody's immediately going for Khabib. He's going to maul him. He's going to maul him. And I'm like, guys, look at, the like you just said, the range, the way he can calibrate distance and and sneak that left hand in. I mean, and, and yeah. Khabib is constantly rushing in. I really think that that's going to play to Connor's advantage. And one thing I think Connor doesn't get enough credit for is you saw it in the Chad Mendes fight, uh, in the Nate Diaz fight, the second one, I believe, or maybe even the first before he got choked. He does have a pretty good reversal. He can get out of uh, like that guillotine position. He he, he sweeps oh, yeah. out of there pretty well. So he's he's going to be he, in there for the he scramble. Has, he has a ton of heart, and he's just learning and learning. Like it's. And he's very athletic, so I don't know. And he's pretty big for being 155. I'm yeah, gonna say that for too. sure. So, and, I mean, I got Connor. We'll, we'll see, but I, I got Connor on this one. Yeah, and uh, the 155 thing plays an interesting factor too, because you think of how much he was depleting himself to get to 145. You see the fight with Chad Mendez. It's probably going to be a different story when he's not depleting himself as much. So, for sure, a lot of and factors also, going into it. People forget that he won the Max Holloway fight off the of takedowns. Right, right. I saw that one live <laughs> in Boston. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like he, he, did, the striking was pretty close. Uh, Max was kind of getting him on the feet, but then he, those takedowns sealed it for him. Yeah, for sure, man, for sure. Now. One hell of a co-main event as well, Anthony Pettis and Tony Ferguson, plus Derek Lewis and Alexander Volkov. Are you feeling like it might be difficult to get, uh, you know, score the bonus on, on this fight card? <laughs> Man, I don't even, I don't know what I have to do to get a bonus. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get a bonus last fight. I thought that was pretty bonus worthy. Yeah, uh, definitely. 218 was cool. I got the only submission on the whole card, so I don't know. We'll see, but I have a I have a pretty good chance. We're we're we throw hands, man. We're big dudes, and those light heavyweight knockouts, you know, are, are jarring and they jar you when you see it. You're like, ooh, damn. So hopefully, <laughs> that there's enough ooh to get me a bonus. <laughs> yeah, and e either way, I, there's no there's no if ands or buts about it. OSP comes to fight, so that that oh, lends yeah. itself to your style as well. Heck yeah, I, I mean. It's awesome matchup, dude. Like, yeah. OSP fights. He's a fighter, and he fights. I love that. That's that's how I am. I love fighting. I don't like going in there and just looking at each other or wrestling and grappling. You know, people didn't show up to watch a wrestling match. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I, I know you plan to go out there and put a show on for the fans and continue to climb the ranks towards the belt, but without looking past OSP, uh, what should be next for you after the win, and do you plan on calling anybody out? Oh, uh, yeah, I haven't even really thought about that. <laughs> right, for taking me, so like, much, yes, yeah, so much of this is focused on the moment. I, I completely understand. Yeah, it's just like enjoy it to the fullest. You know, it's it's red panty night. Enjoy all of, all that it has to offer. Um, fight my fight. You know, God willing, come out on top, and then uh, we go from there. Yeah, the sky's the limit. I mean, from I'm, there, I'm, man. I'm hoping you know maybe top five, you know, top ten at least, and then uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, There's man. a lot of guys coming up now. You know, the light heavyweight division's looking a lot healthier, so that's cool. Yeah, it's like the old guards kind of passing and the new guards coming up right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like you said, man, a perfect opportunity to, to really start this ascent towards the top, you know, get, get ignition on the rocket ship and, and start flying up there, man. So Absolutely. But uh, Absolutely. by the way, man, before we wrap this thing up, I, I saw on your social media, you're a pretty big uh, Rick and Morty fan, huh? Oh, yes. Huge. <laughs> What's your favorite Huge. episode? And have you heard the entire Terry Flap song? <laughs> my terry flaps <laughs> have you heard the whole version oh, shoot. i i haven't heard the whole version but i, I i'll listen send it to, to i'll send it to you when we wrap this up yes please oh my favorite episode shoot man there's so many uh the one uh i forgot what it's called but they go to like the giant world it's like morty is like doing the adventure this time and then like the whole time Rick's like, this sucks, da-da-da. They're like in a fantasy world. <laughs> yeah, remember, yeah. You remember that one? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the jelly bean guy ends up being like this monster. Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah, oh, and that, that was that, pretty funny. Yeah, that creep. That, that took such a crazy turn. Yeah, creepy dude in the bathroom, right. That- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and That's- then he's like a hero to like the town. It's like ridiculous. It's like things aren't always what they appear what they seem, you know? Yeah, I, I love that it pushes the limits, and uh, I don't know if you've seen any, like, behind-the-scenes stuff, but, like, the interdimensional cable episodes, that's oh almost, like, all improv that they animate to, and that's why it's so friggin' hilarious. <laughs> that, I, I knew that, and I, oh, the inter- interdimensional cable is freaking hilarious. Right. I mean, oh, I need my personal space. Oh, <laughs> I need my personal space. <laughs> I'm, I'm Ace in my eyes Johnson, and I'm here, and, oh, God. <laughs> Funny shit, very funny oh, shit. Oh, that's my Johnson. Oh yeah. <laughs> what's or the chance? It... What's the chances we get a wubba lubba dub dub on the mic after you beat OSP? You might, you might get a, a ooh wee. After... <laughs> 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 I don't know. Maybe let's get swifty. That's awesome. what I might say after. Awesome man. Let's get swifty, Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see it. I would love to see it. Well, listen, man, you've been more than generous with your time, as always. Greatly appreciated, and, and another awesome conversation with you. In conclusion, my friend, when you visualize this fight playing out, what do you see, and how, do the, how does the victory come, in your opinion? Um, victory comes by my hand raised. <laughs> I'm looking for a finish. I'm always looking for a finish. So, first round, I don't know. Maybe second or third finish. I don't know what it's going to be. But I plan on finishing hand raised. Okay, fair enough, man. Any shout outs or sponsor plugs before we let you go? Yeah, I want to shout out my family, always, you know. Uh, my team at Cobra Kai. Cobra Kai never die. Never die. Uh, team Elevation, my boys over there, 
fucking excuse my language i'm sorry no nah, dude we swore a bunch on the show already what are you talking about yeah we did you're right <laughs> <laughs> fucking the homies for sure curtis and all the homies over there um monte leon my management team uh world gym high desert dr stein chiropractic dr mcwarder and uh all my friends and family and fans love you oh. guys Awesome, man. Yeah, I'm going to speak with uh, Curtis around uh, 6.30 Eastern, so very excited for him and, and what he's got coming up as well. Uh, oh, yeah. y- your team's taking over, man. I know. <laughs> we're we're all, all growing up together. It's pretty cool. It is. It's awesome to see. Awesome to see. All right, man, looking forward to October 6th. Very excited to see your continued success, and hopefully we can catch up again uh, closer to fight week. You have a great training camp, my friend. Thank you, man. I'll be talking to you soon. All right, brother. Later. All right. Later. Ooh-wee. Dominic Reyes is a future champion. If you disagree, I think you're crazy. Tremendous talent. Great coaching staff behind him. Great fight IQ. Very funny and likable. True superstar potential, in my opinion. If he gets this win at UFC 229... We should expect much bigger and better things from Dominic Reyes in 2019. More likely than not, a title shot is inevitable next year sometime. And what an interesting challenge to Conor McGregor. Says he has a better left hand than Conor. Once this news breaks, I hope that uh, Conor gets to see it. And maybe we do get to see a gentleman's bet between these two guys. But let's keep it moving like we always do. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. Coming up next, the number three ranked heavyweight in the UFC, set to face Francis Ngannou in Beijing, November 24th, the man himself, Curtis Razorblades. Penn Nation, please welcome back to the show the number three ranked heavyweight in the UFC and a man on a mission for a gold belt, the heavy-handed wrestling powerhouse himself, Curtis Razorblades. Thanks for joining us today, Curtis. How has your summer been so far, man? Uh, it's been great, man. Um, had a baby, won a fight. It's been a good year. Really? Uh, when was uh when was the baby born? July twenty first. Awesome. Uh, boy or girl? It's a girl. Her name's Harley. Cool, man. Healthy, happy. Healthy, happy. You're getting bigger every day. Beautiful, beautiful. Uh, you know, I've talked about this with a, with a lot of athletes, but you know, it's kind of cliche, but it seems like everything changes for you. When you finally have a child uh, to provide for, are you kind of feeling that right now? Um, but yeah, the biggest thing is just motivation to get more money. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> it takes money, so I just gotta get the most I can get out of my career. And having a baby just adds fuel to the fire. For sure, for sure, definitely added motivation to. Not only achieve your dreams, but now you got to provide for yourself and your family. So, uh, but you know, aside from uh, having the child and uh, you know staying busy training, uh, have you had a chance to enjoy yourself a bit between these training camps? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not really big into going out or drinking or really. I just just been hanging out. Yeah, no, of course. I just mean like, you know, it's summertime. You get a chance to, you know, go on an adventure, you know, and enjoy the vacation time. Yeah, um, I went out to Nebraska last week to watch the, the fights. I had a 
couple of buddies on the, the car, Drew Dober and uh, Corey Sanhagen. Cool, cool. Very good, very good. So, obviously, man, the big news for you right now, aside from having a baby, of course, is this announcement of the rematch against Francis Ngannou on November 25th, no, 24th, rather, in Beijing. Uh, considering that you've been campaigning hard for this title shot, are you happy with this matchup? Um, yeah, it, it was the best, uh, consolation prize out there, obviously, because Derek, Derek Lewis and, uh, Volkov, they already matched up, and already called out Stipe, and he didn't respond to that, so, this was the only option, really. I'm just happy to get another, uh, item this year, whoever, whoever the opponent was. Yeah, yeah, and if anything, it's a chance to erase the only loss on your record, a controversial loss at that. Well, no, yeah, redemption has always been on my mind, but always in the back of my mind. Yeah, I knew it would happen eventually. This was inevitable. I knew we'd both be around uh, long enough, and I knew I would continue to get better, and I feel like he hasn't. He hasn't gotten much better since the last last we fought. Right, so you you personally, and I think that's been proven in your performances, but you've evolved and he's kind of stayed stagnant. Yeah, that's how I feel. Now, you know, you mentioned Derek Lewis. Obviously, we everybody knows you've been calling out Stipe, but, you know, was this the only matchup that the UFC was offering you at this point, or was this the only fight that you were really willing to take aside from that title bout or maybe the fight with Derek Lewis? Um, no, I was offered... Uh, Volkov for Moscow, but I had a knee injury. I was still getting over at the time. I just I didn't feel like I would be physically able to complete a uh, fight camp the way I wanted to. So I turned that one down. That was the only the only offer, and I really didn't want that one. I wanted a guy ranked higher than me. I wanted Stipe, so I went. I tried to make that happen. It didn't happen, and. I ended up winning Ghana, who's ranked below me, but there is a redemption factor. Yeah, big time, big time. And, you know, man, honestly, there's no need to rush back into things, especially if you've got an injury. If time and uh, others, you know, the path of others has, has proven anything, it's that you should really, really take care of those nagging injuries so so that your performances after the fact are even better. So um, I agree with you there, man. Uh, as I just mentioned, though, you know, the, the loss to Francis was a, was a doctor stoppage, controversial, to say the least. Uh, you wanted to continue, and who knows what the outcome may have been if you were allowed to. Uh, but what kind of adjustments are you are you uh, making, if any, to ensure that you get the victory this time around? The biggest adjustment I'll be made is uh, footwork. My footwork is leaps and bounds above what it was when we fought, and I just think that'll be the biggest difference. That'll be what, what what makes my takedowns easier. And after I get one takedown, that leads to two, and two leads to four, and it just it's like a um, avalanche effect. Once I get the first one, it's pretty much over. And I know with my improved work, that'll be easier to do. Right, it's con- compounding interest, right? Right. Right. Okay. Now, uh, what do you make of all this talk about his ego? You know, his coaches have commented on it. Dana White has been pretty harsh towards him, especially after the fight with uh, with uh, Derek. 
you know, do you think that uh, he might be believing in his own hype a bit too much, or is everyone just making a big deal about one bad performance? Um, honestly, in my own opinion, I do believe he may have had an ego. I think even after the loss of Stipe, <coughs> I think he was able to get by for so long with just being a one-punch, heavy, heavy-handed type of guy. And then when he got a little bit of adversity, he wasn't able to meet the ch- ch- challenge. And I think he's unwilling to, ch- to change. Um, I don't see his grappling getting much better. I don't see his conditioning getting much better. And I believe he's going to con- continue to, to rely on his one-punch power because he has an ego. He believes in his one-punch power that much. Yeah, and I mean that kind of goes back to uh, ways to win here, right? I mean, at the end of the day, all he all he really has is the knockout, whereas you have multiple ways to win this fight. Exactly, and that makes me the more it, it gives me a lot more options to win. When you have options, it's just easier. When you have to do one thing, um, and then you're not able to do it, you get frustrated, and then you start to over over commit and that just leads to mistakes. For sure, man. More paths to victory only increases your chances to get there. But, uh, you know, speaking of which, talking about the Derek and uh, Francis fight, what did you make of that? It was bizarre. Um, they're both almost the same guy. Heavy, one-punch power, not the best grappling, not the best conditioning. So I thought they would both go out there and take each other's heads off and in the first round. It was weird to see them both be hesitant. Um, I don't know. I'm not in their, in their heads or in their corners. I don't know what was going on. Right. But it both just looked really hesitant and almost afraid, I guess. I, I don't want to be disrespectful and say they're scared of each other, but that's what it looked from the outside in. Yeah, like way too much mutual respect on both sides. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, give us your thoughts on competing in China, man. You know, are you excited to go compete there in Asia, or is this this kind of travel just more of a pain in the ass for you, honestly? I mean, it's a little bit of both because being a bigger guy, anything over two hours kind of hurts the knees, you know. Right, but right. It is it is a bit of an uh, adventure. Uh, I never I never dreamed about going to Beijing or going to Asia in general. So this is just like. Uh, pleasant surprise and I'm just going to make the best of it uh, there may be a language barrier we'll figure that out but I'm excited to go out there and walk around and enjoy the uh, the culture so you are kind of embracing the adventure element yeah. of all this I mean you have to uh, there's nothing I can do about it <laughs> so right, right. <laughs> very true very true now, has the UFC made any promises about you fighting for the title next after you beat Francis? I know you said that you aren't getting your hopes up anymore, right? No, I'm, exactly. I'm not getting my hopes up. They haven't made any promises or any any type of guarantees like that, and I don't expect them to. Um, I'm just going to go out there and do my job, collect my paycheck, and then whoever they give me next, do the same. And at the end of the day, as the, as the wins rack up, you eventually become undeniable for that title, right? Eventually. That's that's really my ultimate game plan. Like, if I keep winning, they can't deny me. So, it's just what it is. 
Yep, yep, absolutely. It is what it is, my friend. Now, you've made some headlines this week after you made some comments towards Brock Lesnar and the legitimacy of the UFC giving him a title shot. I think the vast majority of people would agree with you on that. Uh, However, you know, the business side of the game favors big money fights, unfortunately. Either way, you know, the era of the sport that we're in definitely does not favor those hardworking up-and-comers like yourself, man. Yeah, um, at one point the sport was based off uh, a meritocracy, like who you beat, how you beat them, all that, but it's not about that no more. And I've realized that, and I'm not going to harp against it no more. It's just, it is what it is. I'm, I'm an adult, and, and I can accept things I, I have no control over. Right, right, right. You have to just kind of admit that. But at the same time, it's frustrating, right, man? I mean, you're, you're number yeah, three I mean, in the world. It is, but, I mean, I can't let that frustration, like, be my everything. I have to go to practice. I have to have a clear head. I have to enjoy life. I have, I have a daughter. I can't be walking around with an attitude all day. Right. My daughter's like, what's wrong, Dad? Like, <laughs> I just have to be an adult. <laughs> What's wrong, Dad? Brock Lesnar is an asshole. He's on steroids. <laughs> exactly. Now, I speaking mean, of which, man, c- considering that he failed that drug test when he fought Mark Hunt, Mark Hunt made a very big deal about that, and many agree with you about him using P- PEDs in his first UFC run. You know, back in the early 2000s. Have you lost any hope for the future of MMA, or is this money fight thing just a phase that we have to get through? In your opinion? No, I mean, it's not that I lost hope. I just like I said, I have accepted what it is. But eventually, eventually, the belt will be mine. And once it's mine, they have to beat me to get it. So it doesn't matter who they give me. They can give me whoever they want to give me. If they want to give me Brock Lesnar and I have the belt, that's easy money. If they want to give me another random star, like a Greg Hardy or whatever, that's easy money. I don't. Once I have the belt, doesn't matter. Now, DC has said that, that he plans to retire after the fight with Lesnar. Where does that leave the division, in your opinion? Would you be bummed out about never having the chance to challenge DC? I mean, yeah, I'd be a little bummed because I, I was on a bit of a streak of going against, like, legends. I I enjoyed it, getting to go against Mark Hunt, getting to go against Alex Overeem. I was, I was like, an experience I won't forget. Like, going to Australia and being in... Mark Hunt's hometown and well, not his hometown, but his home country, and being right. able to pull off and like that's as special. And going against DC would have been just as special because, in my opinion, he's also a legend. But once he retires, um, not to be disrespectful, but he won't be in my mind no more. Once he's gone, he's gone. I'm um, I'm looking at whoever who. Who, who does the UFC want to give the opportunity for the interim title to? I'm, I'm hoping to be one of those guys. For sure, man. It'd be a no, no, absolute no-brainer for you to be in that conversation and uh, in that fight, for that matter. Uh, but changing gears here briefly, man. You recently tweeted about the fans not giving a shit about the health and well-being of you guys and, you know, just craving bloodshed. You'd mentioned not being able to read to your kids after, you know, later on in life and that, you know, they, they aren't really sympathetic towards that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, man, but it seems like you've been doing some deep thinking about, you know, being involved in this sport. 
I mean, no, I'm going to be here. Like, this is the best way for me to improve the future of my daughter. Right. Like, the world, the world revolves around money, and if I have more of it, I can make her life better, and this is the best way for me to do that. I won't get this money being a police officer or being a teacher or being whatever. Like, this is the best way. So I'm going to be here until my skills deteriorate. But there's nothing wrong with me. Just these are my opinions. I point them out. Um, it's like if a police officer points out um, something he feels is bad about his department, doesn't mean he doesn't want to be a police officer. It just means he, he feels whatever he pointed out needs to be fixed. And that's all I'm saying. Like, and I need to uh, that that statement. <laughs> I should have prefaced it with uh, the casual fans. I know there's a lot of fans who are educated. They they under understand the dangers that we are putting our our bodies through in order to provide them with entertaining uh, about. But then there is there's a demographic of fans who they don't give a shit. They don't. And not at all. I, I don't think that makes me evil for pointing it out like if you don't agree you don't agree but that's my opinion no 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 absolutely and I, and I don't want you to take it the wrong way like I'm saying oh because you no, pointed no, that out no no it's not out. you I mean like you the collective you right like, if there are people out there who don't agree with me then you don't have to agree with me that's the beauty of being a, an American you can have your own opinion yeah no 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 it's just like for me that I've always advocated for for you guys and the fact that you know you put your health on the line for our entertainment and I hope that one day, you know, th- things really can change uh, for MMA and that you guys really get taken care of during and after fighting. But, you well, know, that being said, what would be the number one thing you'd like to see change if you were given a choice? I mean, I... Changing. Uh, I don't know if this is a... would help health-wise. I don't know. This is a combat sports. So health is... Is always gonna be online. I just wish that a lot more fans were a lot more appreciative. Like this isn't. And that's the problem with with Paulson and guys like Brock Lesnar or guys like uh, Bill Brooks. It it lends to the idea that this sport is is not that hard. Like, it's, like anyone can do it. Anyone can just jump in there and put up a good fight. It's not as these are highly skilled badass that can really hurt normal people. And this is when they're going in there, when I'm going in there, going against another highly skilled 250 pound dude, like if I choose to wrestle to preserve my body for future fights and longevity and just being healthy after my career's over, I don't feel like people should hate on it so much. Like I'm winning. It should be on my opponent to stop my wrestling. I, why should I give him a pass for not knowing know how to wrestle? Right, like, man. Just, just because you're fighting intelligently to prolong your career, the fans should recognize that and not give you shit about it. Uh, but you know, you, you know, you you mentioned like casual fans, Phil Brooks, Brock Lesnar, and thinking that just anybody can do this. What do you make of this kid Logan Paul saying that he wants in the UFC? That is, <laughs> that's. That's the world we live in now. This right. is this is going to happen a lot more. He 
you will not be the last. And <laughs> I wish you were a heavyweight. <laughs> I wouldn't mind an easy paycheck. You know, I after Ngano, that'd be nice. Take on a YouTuber. Right, right. And, you know, speaking of which, with this Brock situation, if you were offered the Brock fight, you would take it, right? Yeah, but it wouldn't be a fight. <laughs> it would not be a fight. True, true. But, again, man, you know, just, just to kind of wrap up the segment in regards to uh, the fans, any of them that say dumb shit like that, man, all you got to do is point to Gary Goodridge. So. Yeah, I mean. In 10 years, we're going to see, hopefully, they're doing observations, they're doing research on on a lot of the veteran guys on the 90s and the early 2000s. Yeah. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, interesting reports. I agree. I agree. I hope we see a new direction for, for MMA eventually, man. Uh, but I mean, that's the sport that we, we sign up for. That's why we get paid a lot of money to the it's very dangerous. That's why we get paid to do it. True, true. I agree. Well, listen, man, you've been more than generous with your time. Uh, just a couple more questions here for you. Getting back to November 24th in China, how early are you planning on going out there to adjust for the time difference? Probably like 11 to 12 days, just like Australia. Okay. And in regards to the fight itself, how do you visualize this rematch playing out? How does Razor Blades get his redemption on November 24th? I visualize my, myself doing exactly what Stipe did, except a little better. I'm a little heavier than he is. I I think I'm a little stronger than he is. So I'm just going to use my wrestling, use my boxing. My boxing got much better. Use my high lows, use my movement, and box him up, get the takedowns and grind him out. And use, I'm, looking, I'm looking to get the finish. Use that striking to set up those takedowns. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, you certainly carry that power, and, and, and I have no doubt that you could get the finish. Uh, as always, my friend, greatly appreciate the time. Always a pleasure speaking with you. I'm certainly looking forward to the fight. Hopefully, we can catch up again as it draws near. Uh, any shout-outs or anything you think we missed before we let you go? Um, I'd like to give a shout-out to my, uh, my striking coach, Benny Lopez, uh, my jiu-jitsu coach, uh, and team elevation overall, just for all the hard work they've put into into me collectively, and all the the time and energy they've put into me. Yeah, man, it t- it takes a village. People don't realize that it takes a lot to to bring a a top notch fighter like yourself to the precipice of the sport. So, um, no doubt, my friend. Listen again, Curtis. Thank you very much. We'll catch up again soon, my friend. You have a wonderful weekend, bro. You too. Have a good day. All right, buddy. Later. There you have it, Penn Nation. Another future champion, Curtis Razorblades. Humble guy, talented guy, incredibly hardworking. And much like our previous guest, Dominic Reyes, superstar potential in my opinion. But that's going to do it for me, folks. Another great episode. Big thank you to all our guests, Javier Mendez, Dominic Reyes, and Curtis Razorblades. BJPenn.com Radio, the fighter's voice. I'm your host, Jay Kinch. It is a pleasure to be here with you each and every week. Make sure you guys tune in next week. 
Make sure you guys subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Also, make sure you guys follow us on social media, bjpen.com, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Google+. Bookmark us, bjpen.com forward slash MMA news. Stay up to date on the sport that you love. On behalf of all of the fantastic and hardworking guys we have on Team Pen, I'm your host, Jay Kinch, signing out for another week. Mahalo, everybody. Peace out.